Merry Christmas to you all. It's good to be Catholic. We're still celebrating Christmas. Just one announcement before I, I enter into my homily. Um, this Tuesday is the octave of Christmas. It's also the feast of, of Mary, the Holy Mother of God. It's a Holy Day of Obligation. Mass time here will be the regular Sunday Mass time, which is 1030 on, and then the Vigil Mass at uh, the regular time, 5.30. So um, come to, to celebrate what God has done for us in uh, allowing Mary to bear the, the God of the universe. Um, now to my homily. As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, today we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family, referring to, to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. It's a it's a um, a great feast because it, it reminds us that that we are called to live like them. So so in this homily, I, I want to talk about three particular points. I want to talk about the Holy Family, and then I want to talk about our second reading, how we are children of God, and then lastly, I want to talk about the domestic family, meaning each of our individual families. So um, first of all, the Holy Family. The Holy Family is, of course, the, the model for all families, but sometimes we can think that the Holy Family had the perfect life, that everything was amazing, that everything was wonderful, and we can sometimes conclude that from looking at the, the nativity scene, and we look like, oh, it's just so amazing, like, oh, it's just kind of romantic, it's wonderful. You know, we can kind of get this idea of, of the Holy Family, but the Holy Family actually had more struggles than any of our families. And what I mean by that is when, when Jesus was, was, well, actually backing up a bit, you know, Mary's pregnant and Joseph's, it's not Joseph's baby. You know, the, what's going through Joseph's mind, of course, there, there can be struggle there. They're going to have the, the God of the universe and, and raise him. And then when he's finally born, he's not born in the loveliness of a home. He's born in a, in a stable, in a barn. And then right after that, they, they find out that, that Herod's trying to kill their baby. So they have to, to leave the land of Israel, and they have to go down to a foreign land, the land of Egypt. The struggles you can imagine on that, on that road. Foreign country, foreign language, foreign culture. You don't know anybody. Then they finally return. They're, they're up in Nazareth, uh, Mary's um, homeland, where, where, where her family had spent a lot of time. And, and they, they, they grew up, they, they raised the child Jesus there, and they themselves grew older there. Uh, every year they would travel down to Jerusalem, about 70 miles, for the Feast of Passover. And then we hear in our, our Gospel reading today how, how they're traveling down there. Jesus stays back in Jerusalem. Joseph and Mary go back towards Nazareth, day's journey into their trip, they realize, well, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? They have to go back. They start searching for Jesus all across Jerusalem. They search for him for three days. Can you imagine the, the turmoil that, that was going through, the anxiety that was going through both their hearts? You know, I, as a child, I was lost for about one hour and the anxiety that I brought dad and mom you know, I can't imagine the anxiety that Joseph and Mary went through for, for um, the three days that they searched for him. Even Mary, who is conceived without sin, 
sometimes we can think, like, oh, she has such an amazing life. And she does, she is. She is amazing, but that's not without struggle. Mary says to Jesus when they find him, Why have you done this to us? You have brought great anxiety to your dad and I. That Mary and Joseph have great anxiety. But there's something that's different about about the challenges that Joseph and Mary have and and what Jesus has throughout his life. There's something different than, than what we go through in our struggles. It's this, that when... When Joseph and Mary have struggles, they immediately bring it to God. They're they're people of prayer. They bring their struggles to the Father. Sometimes we can just soak in our muck. We can soak in our struggles. But they constantly relate it to God. Now to my second point. In the second reading, we hear the phrase, Children of God, Children of God. Children of God, meaning that we are children of God. By virtue of baptism, you and I become adopted children of God. For any of you who have, have um, family members who, you know, maybe yourselves have adopted children, or you've been adopted, or you've had family members that have adopted children. When, when a child is adopted, that child literally becomes a member of the family. That child is literally the child of the couple that adopted him or her. When we're baptized, God adopts us as his children, and we become truly God's children, which means he makes a promise to us that he's going to take care of us. He's not going to allow anything bad happen in our life that's going to prevent us from heaven. We, of course, can choose something bad, and we, of course, can choose to refuse to enter into relationship with God, heaven. God makes a promise to us and he, he's going to take care of us. I can remember as a child we would attend Mass at St. Spirit and Paul in Neurotic and, and Dad would drive us, you know, I was just a little kid. I knew where we were going but I didn't know how to get there. I just, you know, sitting in one of the back seats of the van, I trusted that Dad was going to bring us there safely or if we were going to visit Grandpa Grandma and Dickinson or or on some trip, or we were going, we're coming home from somewhere. I knew that Dad was going to bring us to the location, but I didn't know how to get there. There was this trust that I had in Dad. But I think of that now as an adult. That that's the a glimpse of the of the trust that we must have in God, our Father. There may be great turmoil going on in your life. That doesn't mean God's not with you. God promises to provide for us. Now into my third point, the domestic family. I think this is might be my longest point. Family life is the bridge between the individual and society. Let me say that again. Family life is the bridge between the individual, each person, and society. What do I mean by that? In Williston, I was able to meet people from all over the world. 
literally all over the world. There were over 30-some countries, um, people from different countries who were there at the parish. And then, of course, every state. And with that, with the, the dynamics of Wilson, and, and you guys see it here as well in Kildare a little bit. I have already during the six months I've been here. It's around Dickinson. It's kind of all across North Dakota now. But specifically in Williston, I would meet a number of homeless people, people that had they just had no place to be, and they would come on in, you know, asking for help, whether it was for gas, whether it was for other things. And on a number of occasions, I would meet a man or a woman who grew up on the street from about the age of seven, eight, nine. They weren't with dad and mom. For those of you who are young, can you imagine being without dad and mom? Just, every, you're on your own. And they went on their own. Many of them ran away from home because the home was not a good place. Dad was always drunk, mom was always drunk, or, you know, other dynamics. It was safer to live on the street than it was in the home. So those individuals would grow up just calling the shots of their own, doing what best they can to survive. And then when they're, in a, when they're adults, was, was when I met them, they didn't know how to integrate into society. They couldn't keep a job for two months or three months. It wasn't everyone, I'm, but for a majority of them. And they would sort of just go from place to place, asking for help here, taking something here, taking something there. Because they didn't have family life. I was in conversation with someone in Williston about the homeless people, and, and the individual said to me, she said, you and I will never become homeless. And I said, well, how do you know that? And she said, even if something bad happened to, to either of us, we have our families, and our families would take care of us and make sure that we were provided for. Family life. It's the place, it's the bridge between the individual and society. If family life falls, all of society falls. But within the family, the foundation is the parents. If the parents are doing well, then the children do well. Statistics show this. If the children don't have any parents at all that are providing for them, Life is difficult. If they have one parent, it's better. If both parents are present, it's even, it's even better. The foundation of the family is based on the relationship between the parents. The main place where people learn to give and to receive love is in the family. So I want to talk about some of the dangers to the family. One particular This, this danger is something that I've seen in my family and something that I've seen in every family that I've encountered to a lesser degree or to a greater degree. It's, it's called resentment. Some, we have different names for resentment. Sometimes we call it bitterness. Sometimes we call it holding grudges, unforgiveness, etc., etc. But I, I like the word resentment because it really displays what happens. When... When someone gets hurt, you know, so-and-so hurt me, it's so-and-so's fault that I've been hurt. 
It's their fault that I have been hurt. But every time after that event of when I was hurt, every time after that that I bring up that hurt and I relive that hurt, it's no longer that person's fault, but it's my fault. That's called resentment. Feeling again the thing that, I was, that happened. So when someone hurts me, and I choose to hang out in the muck of that hurt and have a pity party, it's my fault, not their fault. It's my fault, not their fault. Because they hurt me the first time. Every time after that that I get hurt by that same event, it's not them hurting me again, but it's me hurting me. You see what I'm saying? That's called resentment, feeling again the thing that happened. So, how do we overcome resentment? It's really doing what the Holy Family did, and that's uniting our hearts, our minds, to the Lord. Not, not growing in this spiritual sloth, but to exert ourselves out of that hurt, to exert ourselves finding our identity in God rather than in what the other person thinks of me or said to me or did to me. Finding my identity in God. So I want to conclude with this. The Holy Family is holy because of their prayer life, because of their relationship with God. We become holy through the same means. So today at this Mass, I want to encourage each one of you to, to bring that hurt, whatever it is that someone has done to you, to bring it to this altar. And if something is saying to you right now, an interior voice saying, you can't let that go, you can't let that go, you shouldn't let that go, that's not coming from Jesus. That's coming from someone who wants to keep the family broken. So to bring the hurt to Jesus and to beg Jesus to heal whatever it is in your heart and to continually do that, to exert your, your, your heart towards the Lord, to choose Jesus day after day. Let's pray for that grace today.